Today on The Courier Daily. Everyone's income has stopped, right? I mean, if you work in the creative communities, if you work in entertainment, if you work in music and fashion, in digital media, publishing, your income has either gone to zero or it's probably 10% of what it was three weeks ago. So we recognize that and we wanted, by freezing membership fees, we felt that that was at the very least something we could do for our members to help them stay on their feet. I'm Daniel Giacopelli. It's the 31st of March, and this is the new daily podcast from Courier. I'll be catching up with small business owners all over the world every day to find out how they're adapting, pivoting, and surviving. We'll also be doing the same thing every Friday in our Courier Weekly newsletter, so make sure to subscribe at couriermedia.co slash sign up. Well, today in a special episode and one that's bound to be just a bit longer than normal, I'm here with Josh Wyatt. He's the CEO of Neuhaus, a private workspace for creatives and creative entrepreneurs with three locations, one in New York and two in LA. And they've got plans for two more in Venice Beach and Miami. And Josh, it's sort of odd we're in this position right now talking because we've just printed the latest issue of Courier and we featured your new location in downtown LA, which literally just opened, but you've closed that spot now. And you've closed all of the locations, and the majority of your staff are furloughed as well. Uh, so how to come to that? So on March 16th at Neuhaus, we closed all of our sites. And we had a debate about what was the ethically right thing to do in terms of closing down our properties. And, you know, this was before the statewide announcements by Cuomo and or de Blasio in New York and uh, Garcetti and Governor Newsom in California, we were ahead of the curve by about six days in terms of closing our, our facilities. And it was the right thing to do. It was you know, a great financial impact on us doing it, but I felt that for the long-term viability of the company, it was absolutely the ethical, strategic, legal, moral thing to do to take the decision to close. And, you know, from that, we, we hope that, you know, our members and our customers and our partners will value that once we reopen. You know, the, the next thing that we did after we closed is, you know, within it, it took us about four or five days, literally just because we, <laughs> everyone was scrambling. But we were able to sit down from a calm and forward looking perspective and we decided to immediately waive all of our fees to our members. And we were the first people to do that. So, you know, there's been other private members clubs or private workspaces that have now subsequently taken that step, but they took it maybe a day ago, maybe two days ago. We did it within, you know, a couple of days after closing. And, and I think, again, yeah, it's tough from the investor perspective or from the board perspective to take that type of decision. But I think we will look back a year from now, maybe 10 years from now, and those leaders and those brands and those companies that did the right thing in this dark time, I think will be rewarded with a sense of loyalty and a sense of heart and soul. And if nothing else, even if we don't make it, I can look back, you know, as CEO in the company and, and say, hey, we tried to do the right thing. So you guys announced on your Instagram a series of steps that you were taking and, and you wrote, now's the time to show vulnerability and, and encourage transparency. And you kind of were really open about what you're doing. One of those steps was the decision to, you know, furlough the majority of your staff. Could you walk me through your decision making that led up to that? I mean, it, it was the, it is still, I mean, look, I have... Hate to admit, I, I have 23 years experience working now, right? So I'm 46 years old. 
And of those 23 years or 24 years, I've spent probably about 18 or so in hospitality. It is no question the the darkest two weeks of my professional career. Uh, The emotions uh, were just incredible in, in terms of the sense of sadness when we started to discuss the necessity of furloughing our staff. Now, for those of for those listeners out there who don't understand the difference between furlough and a layoff, a, a furlough is an unpaid leave of absence, and companies versus a layoff uh, or a termination where you're actually severing employment with that particular individual. When when you furlough someone, there's actually a couple different paths that you can go down as a business. Path one is to furlough someone without pay and without benefits, and many companies are doing that right now. Path two is to furlough them without pay, but cover benefits. Most importantly, obviously, is healthcare benefits. We took the decision where, you know, look, we lost 100% of our revenue from March 16th onwards. We figured at the time that we'd be closed at least until May 1st. And internally, our own uh, board of directors and our management team figured that it would probably be until June 1st. You know, that discussion was two weeks ago. Unfortunately, we were prescient in that view. I think there's no question that society will be closed. Western society will certainly be closed at least until mid-May, probably end of May. So we took the hard decision to furlough versus layoff, but I think doing the furloughs really signifies a couple of things. One, we have an optimistic hope for the future that we will reopen versus laying everyone off, which says basically, hey, you're cutting bait and running. We want to be around. We want our team to be around when we get the green light to reopen. Number two, we wanted to keep people furloughed versus laid off because of the healthcare benefits. You know, if we had the resources, and and I can go into that in a minute, if we had the resources to keep everyone employed, even at a reduced salary level, we would have. The reality is Knowing House still is a small business. I mean, look, I mean, as CEO, I think about our team as like a family. And the goal here was to try to protect as much and as many people as we could in the family and live to fight another day. And our goal is to bring people back so that when we open, people are earning a salary again. They're able to pay rent, buy groceries, support their children or their family. I I take a deep, deep personal obligation and duty to make sure that that happens. I mean, you know, you can hear the tone of my voice. I mean, it's still to this day, you know, 10 days later, it's still just deeply upsetting. Can, Can furloughed staff go on to get other gigs whilst they're still furloughed? So furlough from a technical perspective means a couple of things. One is they can apply for unemployment, which I certainly hope everyone has done. So, you know, the, the, the U.S. government has stepped up with this bailout package, which has increased unemployment, I think, to a minimum of $1,100 a week. So it's certainly, you know, it's a step down from uh, many of our employees' salaries. But, you know, at least people can continue to get health care through Noy House and then apply for full unemployment benefits. Again, we felt that that was the best way to do it. In terms of doing any work for Neuhaus, when you're when you're furloughed, you just can't do work for the company that's furloughed you. It's illegal. And we've been very strict about that to abide by the laws out of respect not only for our employees, but also you know out of respect for our existing small team as well. I can't say this formally, but I'll say if someone wants to have a side hustle, that's up to them. I don't want to know about it, but uh, no, I, you know, I hope uh, I hope people out there, you know, if anyone is listening from from Nolly House who has been furloughed, I, I really sincerely hope that 
that they're making it through this time the best that they can. I mean, this is a, just an extraordinarily challenging and dark period for us as a, as a human race. You know, a lot of small business owners and, and CEOs are making brutal trade-offs, right? So do I do this or do I do that? I mean, were you guys having the conversation of, do you, you know, waive membership fees or do you bring staff on a very reduced salary or something like that, A or B? We went through all that, right? And the North Star of our decision making was, what does this company look like when we reopen? That That has driven all of our thinking. So, you know, at least from the management side of things and leadership side of things, it's so again, like let's take the waiving of membership fees. We did it because we want to be around for many more years and we want our members to feel supported in this very difficult time because our members, you know, we, we are predominantly at present a, you know, a shared private workspace for the creative community. That means that a lot of our members are small creative companies who are going through very challenging times right now. Everyone's income has stopped, right? I mean, if you work in the creative communities, if you work in entertainment, if you work in music and fashion, in digital media, publishing, your income has either gone to zero or it's probably 10% of what it was three weeks ago. So we recognize that and we wanted by freezing membership fees, we felt that that was at the very least something we could do for our members to help them stay on their feet. Then looking at how we treat our employees, again, when we reopen, Instead of laying everyone off and not giving health benefits, we figured, look, we're not in a position to, to be able to employ many people, but whatever we can do to at least, at the very least, provide some level of signal that we care about our people. Again, I, I would love to be able to employ everyone. I mean, in a way, this great debate between capitalism and socialism, right now you definitely want to be a socialist. You know, to Trying to figure out how we can band together for the collective good of society I think is extremely important right now. There's a time and a place for explosive capitalism, but there's also a time and a place where as a collective human race we are all suffering right now. So we are trying to take decisions at the company level to say, how can we derive and or provide the most amount of good for the most amount of people? In that case, it was providing healthcare versus maybe keeping one or two extra people employed for the duration of the virus. And then going to reduce salaries. Again, it was, you know, do we keep three or four people at full-time salaries or do we keep 12 people, which is or 13 people, which is what we ended up keeping at partially reduced salaries and including myself, which, which I, I took a full salary cut. So, you know, it's, it's working through those decisions and trying to really spread out the maximum amount of good that we can achieve for the longest amount of time. So there's only 13 people left on, on the payroll at Neuhaus. Yeah, 13 people. And we had a previous uh, full-time staff ratio of about 175 full-time employees and about another 75 part-time hourly employees that were, um, you know, any, anything from part-time food and beverage people to event staff to musicians, whatever, wherever it was. So we went from 250 people to 13. Uh, it's a 95% reduction in force in a day, right? I mean, think about that. And by the way, this is not just us. This is happening to pretty much every restaurant, every uh, hotel, every live venue event, business. I, I mean, it's it, the follow. I'm actually frankly shocked it's not been in the papers more because the people that I speak to, when I pick up the newspaper and I see these unemployment figures, I just don't believe them. I think they're far worse. Well, the New York Times did that 
front page thing where they had that graph they showed you know the latest figures just like they had to make a graph that went up the spine of the entire newspaper because it was so high and you know you happen to be the leader of a company in an industry that relies on physical human contact constantly so you know there's a co-working members club in brooklyn called ethel's club they've launched a digital membership where they stream video content and stuff like that to try to as opposed to keep afloat i mean how are you guys trying to survive right now if you've gone down from whatever, hundreds of employees to 13 now, and nobody's coming into your actual locations. You know, a lot of brands have immediately jumped into live streaming. They've tried to pivot their business immediately to capture, you know, whatever market they can. We've taken, a, a again, a sort of a slower approach to things in the sense that we're trying to figure out what does the world look like after the virus, right? And so from our perspective right now, we definitely will be doing certain things in the digital realm, but we want to be thoughtful about it. So, you know, without naming any names of competitors in the space, I'm not so sure that when I pick up Instagram and I look at, you know, people posting photos of home decor, you know, of their brand or how to make a cocktail. I just don't know if that's Neuhaus. I mean, for us, Neuhaus is about ideas. It's about collaboration. It's about activism. It's about creative expression and creative moments. We're trying to figure out what that looks like, but I can tell you that when we do come online with, with a digital plan, which we will soon, it's going to be much more focused on ideas, topics, debate, activism. Th these are things we've always, I think, excelled at, and we're going to double down on that as we come back out again. But to do that the right way, it takes a little bit of time. You guys wrote on Instagram that you'll stay closed until it's safe and morally responsible to reopen. I'm wondering, you know, as the leader of the company, how will you be making that call? Will you be going by the advice of the federal government, the various state governments, just your own gut feeling of when the time is right? This is where it gets a little political. It depends on your view of the leader of the federal government. but uh, Open by Easter, right? Yeah. So, so far, that's been an abject failure, in my humble opinion. I, I, I think, look, we are trying to take some cues from some of the thought leaders and some of the political leaders that have been inspirational you know, and have been in a way, heroes. And, and I think in any great time of complexity, a tragedy, and force majeure, there are some leaders that really rise to the top and their voice of leadership really shines through. So, you know, you look at New York State, there, there's a big difference between Cuomo versus de Blasio. You look at California and how Garcetti and, and Newsom have handled themselves versus some of the other state governors um, around the country. You look at Europe and you look at how Merkel handled herself uh, and, and handled her messaging to the people of Germany versus some other leaders uh, throughout Europe. So, uh, you know, all I can say is that the management of Neuhaus, myself as CEO, we're looking to the thought leaders and the political leaders that we admire. We're looking to people within society, brands, et cetera, that we admire, and we're studying that right now. So when we decide to reopen, it will be based on the tea leaves that we're reading from the people that we respect. Those tea leaves will be studied very closely. We also obviously will consult with our, our board and our investors, uh, and we'll consult with our key employees that we value their opinion. And once we align on that, you know, we'll take a decision to reopen. My special thanks to Josh Wyatt from Neuhaus for today's show. Make sure to sign up to Courier Weekly for more stories of pivoting, adapting, surviving, and growing. Head to couriermedia.co slash sign up to subscribe. You can also download a free digital edition of the latest issue of the magazine on our web shop as well. I'm Daniel Giacopelli. This show is back again tomorrow. <laughs>